0: Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking about how runners with severe cases of Achilles tendonitis keep running without surgery. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running even if you've been injured. Before we get started here, I wanna make sure that you know you have one particular thing I'm gonna give you to do. Go to docontherun.com, click on podcast, click on this episode, go to the bottom of the page, And I have posted a video that you can get for free that's going to show you exactly how to do the stretches that I talk about. In part one of our series on Achilles tendonitis, we talked about how runners with mild forms of Achilles tendon injuries can decrease the inflammation, decrease the stress and tension on the Achilles tendon, get better, and keep running. But we also talked about the unfortunate reality of some runners having a tendency to ignore these injuries when they are in the earliest stages. Because many runners have a high pain threshold, you may not even notice the first stage of Achilles tendonitis. If you don't notice there's a problem, it's unlikely you will treat the problem. So you may be one of those runners who just really didn't realize you were developing a problem with the Achilles tendon. You might have noticed some weird sensations that went on for months. If so, you may have developed one of the more severe forms of Achilles tendon injury. When I think about severe Achilles tendon injuries, I classify them into three categories. One, Achilles tendinosis. Two, partial rupture of the Achilles tendon. And three, a complete rupture of the Achilles tendon. Just to make sure you understand the difference, we'll briefly discuss each of these different forms of Achilles tendon problems that can afflict runners. The first thing is Achilles tendinopathy, and Achilles tendinopathy isn't really a condition. Achilles tendinopathy is a useless but official medical-sounding term, meaning something is wrong, diseased, or pathologic with the Achilles. But because it doesn't tell you what's really wrong with the tendon, it does not help you at all determine what you should do to fix it. But that's a term that a lot of doctors use when you have a problem with the Achilles tendon. The second thing is Achilles peritendinitis. Now the earliest form of Achilles tendon trouble is Achilles peritendinitis. This means you have inflammation surrounding the tendon but no inflammation within the actual tendon itself. In cases of Achilles peritendinitis there is inflammatory fluid accumulating between the Achilles tendon and the peritinon or the thin outer layer surrounding the tendon. Achilles tendonitis is inflammation within the tendon itself. Achilles tendinosis is degeneration of the collagen that makes up the tendon. It's caused by chronic inflammation and irritation of the substance of the tendon. As it progresses, the fibers of the tendon start to become disorganized. They become weaker and more prone to microscopic tears. And over time, the tearing of the Achilles tendon can progress and become weaker. It then becomes prone to rupture or complete tearing. Now, in some cases, the Achilles tendon may actually rip away from its attachment to the back of the heel bone. If you notice a lump or firm knot in the back of the Achilles tendon just above the heel bone, this is most likely due to the development of Achilles tendinosis. It may or may not be painful if you squeeze it. It just depends upon how long it's been there. Now, Because this sort of mass in the Achilles tendon is usually degeneration that makes the tendon weaker, it's really important that you do something about it to prevent any further damage to the tendon. The next thing to talk about is a partially torn Achilles tendon. Now, the first thing to realize is Achilles tendons and runners don't rip, rupture, or tear without first developing Achilles tendinosis that we just talked about. In the entire history of the medical literature, there's never been a reported case of a ruptured Achilles tendon in a runner who did not have all of the histopathologic or microscopic findings consistent with tendinosis. This is the main reason it is so important to arrest Achilles tendon problems early. And just to explain, collagen fibers are straight linear strands. Collagen bundles are big groups of collagen fibers. The Achilles is made up of many collagen bundles. The tendon is actually structurally similar to the cables supporting the Golden Gate Bridge. You have a bunch of tiny individual wires all bundled together, running the entire length of the bridge. Together, they support the weight of the bridge. When you get either chronic repetitive trauma, as in overtraining injuries, you can start to exceed the load the fibers can tolerate some of them may tear. If you get chronic inflammation, the inflammatory fluid marinating around those collagen fibers will actually weaken them. When the collagen fibers in the tendon get weak, they start to tear. So a partial tear in the Achilles tendon just means that some section of collagen bundles has started to tear. However, at least some of the Achilles tendon is still intact and working normally, even though it might hurt when you run. A completely ruptured Achilles tendon is simple. The entire Achilles tendon rips apart into two pieces. To a runner, a ruptured Achilles tendon is one of the very worst possible injuries. We can treat it. We can sew it back together. Sometimes we can get it to heal without surgery, but the runner will never, ever be the same. So again, you have to avoid those early problems with the Achilles tendon, peritendinitis, the true Achilles tendonitis, and the ensuing tendinosis that happens that all precede an actual Achilles tendon rupture. If we know that Achilles tendinosis precedes ruptures, then it's important to understand what causes tendinosis. Now, there are basically two schools of thought regarding the development of Achilles tendinosis in runners. One group argues that tendinosis is caused by chronic inflammation. The idea is that we know inflammatory fluid contains degradative enzymes, which weaken collagen. Because the Achilles tendon is nothing but a huge cable made up of collagen, individual strands or collagen fibers can become weak and then rupture individually. Each individual torn fiber no longer supports any load. That load gets transferred to the other fibers. Since the other fibers are under higher tension at that point, they become strained and more prone to rupturing as well. The second theory argues that tendinosis is not really caused by inflammation at all. The reason some doctors believe tendinosis is not caused by chronic inflammation is that if you biopsy a section of the tendon, you actually take it out and look at it under a microscope, it does not usually contain inflammatory cells. And because no inflammatory cells seem to be present in these advanced forms of Achilles tendonitis, known as tendinosis, they argue that it's not related to inflammation. That's also part of the reason that anti-inflammatory medications don't really seem to help in cases of tendinosis, but that's an aside. So instead of inflammation being the problem, these doctors argue that it's really repetitive trauma. If you run and train in any way that applies the same abusive forces with increasing frequency and without enough time for your body to repair any tissue damage before you subject that tissue to the next damaging workout, you can rupture some of those fibers in the Achilles tendon. But as we mentioned, if you rupture some of the fibers of the Achilles tendon, then the neighboring fibers have to take over and absorb that load. If you pull a rubber band tight and cut it, you'll notice it contracts. All of these little ruptured fibers kind of ball up as they tear and retract. All those little ruptured, retracted, balled up collagen fibers contracting in a confined space within the tendon cause little knots or lumps. Anytime a doctor looks at a runner who is complaining of Achilles tendon issues, the doctor will examine the patient, of course. And if the doctor feels any lumpy, increased thickness of the Achilles tendon in the the watershed region, which is an inch or two above the attachment to the heel bone, the very first thought to consider should be Achilles tendinosis. So there are lots of things that might indicate you have an Achilles tendon problem like Achilles tendinosis. And, and that would be if you have any of the following symptoms. If you have Achilles pain, if you have any aching, stiffness, soreness, tenderness in the tendon, anywhere between the heel bone and the calf muscle, the back of leg, it could be Achilles tendinosis. Now, in its earliest stages, you may only notice this pain when you run, but if it gets worse and it's hurting consistently, if it's hurting when you get out of bed, when you're limping around in the morning, then that could be Achilles tendonitis or Achilles tendinosis. But in the early stages, a lot of people ignore this pain because it seems to disappear once they start walking. But runners will often notice that this pain hurts more and the soreness returns in the middle of their long runs and speed workouts. The other thing is tenderness. So if you push on the Achilles tendon, squeeze the Achilles tendon, and it hurts and it's tender, that's not good. You should never have any pain or tenderness when you press along the Achilles tendon anywhere. So if you squeeze the Achilles tendon anywhere along the course of the tendon, and you have anything ranging from mild tenderness to intense pain, this should be concerning to you. The other thing is Achilles deformity. So peritendinitis and early forms of Achilles tendonitis, they're really not deformed. You know, there may be a little bit of swelling, but normally the Achilles tendon is normally firm and perfectly smooth. But if you feel any lump, bump, knot, nodule, anywhere along the tendon, this is not normal. Achilles tendinosis is the most common reason that these types of abnormal changes in the tendon happen. Now there are some other problems that can cause these sort of little lumps and bumps like a ganglion cyst or other tendon tumors, but those are incredibly rare by comparison. The other indication that you might have one of these problems is how it feels when you run. So in the morning or in the first few miles or after run and so on, if you pay attention to that, it can help you determine which problem you have. In cases of mild Achilles tendonitis, it may feel sore or even stiff when you get out of bed and start walking. If the problem's really mild, it may start to loosen up and feel better, but In most cases of Achilles tendinosis in runners, it seems to ache without much reprieve. Runners just don't notice it like normal patients do because we runners have a high pain threshold. Now, Achilles tendinosis will most likely bother you whenever you're running. So, in general, the more severe the problem with the Achilles, the more it's going to hurt when it's running. And, again, Achilles tendinosis is one of the more severe problems. It seems like most runners with Achilles tendinosis complain that the Achilles tendon is stiffer, more tender, and more sore in the mornings following their days of running. This generally correlates with the intensity of the workout. So, for example, a slow run wouldn't produce as much soreness the next day as would a high-intensity tempo run or a speed workout or hill repeats, for example. And one question I often get is whether or not there are any tests that runners can do to determine if the pain or issues they're having with the Achilles tendon, if it's tendinitis versus tendinosis, and so on. The first thing you have to understand about this is that I can look at and determine whether or not most runners are likely to have Achilles tendinosis. Most runners don't really need expensive tests to make the diagnosis. Also, x-rays are not useful in making a diagnosis of Achilles tendinosis, so I think they're a waste of time. Now, an ultrasound or an MRI can be useful in the sense that it gives you a bit more information about the extent of the damage to the Achilles tendon. So many doctors will say that you have to have an MRI to tell whether or not you have Achilles tendinosis versus a partial rupture of the Achilles tendon. This is an interesting point, and I have a little bit different take on this than some doctors. Many doctors seem to want to put people in very specific, well-defined boxes. After all, it makes it a lot easier to treat people if you can give everybody within one box the same treatment protocol. But I disagree with this entire premise. We are all individuals. We all have different levels of fitness. We all have different levels of flexibility. We all have different nutritional deficits. We all heal differently. Aside from that, one of my main concerns with Achilles tendinosis is that it's not just degeneration of the Achilles tendon. It's basically a whole bunch of different microscopic partial ruptures of the Achilles tendon that cause the lumpiness and weakness in the tendon. So in my mind, if you have Achilles tendinosis, you probably have at least some minor partial tear of the Achilles tendon. I don't think you need an MRI to tell you that. The only time it may be worth getting an MRI is in those cases where you suspect there's actually a large partial tear of the Achilles tendon. Now, because that might alter the treatment recommendation, it may be worth getting an MRI. Now, it may be helpful if you understand there are really three different types of tears related to the Achilles tendon. The first thing is an interstitial tendon tear. An interstitial tear is basically a small rip within the substance of the Achilles tendon. If present, you couldn't see it by looking at the outside surface of the Achilles tendon. You might be able to see it on an MRI. Imagine if you took a large rubber band and you stretched it over and over. Then you stretch it out as much as you can, hold it up to the light, and look at it. If you looked closely, you might see little wavy sections within the rubber band where a tiny section of the rubber band had torn. But those torn sections are actually contained within the rubber band itself. They're on the inside. You can't feel them on the surface. That's an interstitial tear. But if the rubber band was cut at the edge, that's what doctors think of as a real partial tear or a partial tear in the Achilles tendon. It's one where you can actually feel it at the edge of the tendon. A complete tendon tear is, of course, worse. If you pull hard enough on that rubber band that has a torn edge, eventually it will rip all the way across. And that, of course, is what doctors think of as a complete tear or a complete rupture of the Achilles tendon. If you think you have a complete rupture of the Achilles tendon, there's no need for an MRI. You simply have to decide whether or not you will treat the problem with surgery or without surgery. An MRI will really not be helpful in determining which treatment would be best for you as a runner. And a complete tendon tear is pretty obvious. You can feel a big gap where the tendon is, and if you squeeze the calf and squeeze it, the foot moves on one side, but then on the side with the rupture, your foot's not going to move at all. So it's really easy to make that diagnosis without an MRI. Now, regardless of whether or not you have Achilles tendinosis or a small partial tear of the Achilles tendon, the real task is to figure out whether or not you can improve with simple home treatments. If not, you'll need some sort of advanced treatment to kick off the healing process and get you moving in the right direction. All right, so let's talk about Achilles tendinosis treatment options. This is the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's a virtual doctor visit? The idea of not running at all while waiting for my foot to heal was simply depressing. I really needed a second opinion from an expert, someone who specializes in helping runners. But frankly, I just couldn't afford the cost of a house call. I saved enough money to pay for my next marathon registration. You will have an appointment with Dr. Segler, whether it's via Skype or on the phone. You can expect, one, he's gonna be on time. Two, he's gonna be able to spend more time with you than the typical uh, visit in a doctor's office. And both of those are gonna result in more effective diagnosis and treatment plan for you. I'm a young woman in the Philippines and I hurt my ankle yesterday. I just wanted to say thank you and that it's such a relief to be able to find a website like yours and get some information when I'm in a place with uh, little to no medical care. So I just wanted to call and say thank you. You're awesome. Book a virtual doctor visit and get a second opinion online today. Welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. All right, so let's talk about Achilles tendinosis treatment options. If you're a runner and you know you have a case of Achilles tendinosis, you have to get it to heal. The tendon is damaged. The tendon is weaker by definition. Because it is weaker and damaged, it is more prone to a complete rupture in the future. So you have to get it to improve if you really want to continue to run. There are really five different approaches to Achilles tendinosis treatment. The first one is what I think of as true conservative Achilles tendon treatment. You just reduce the stress, prevent any inflammation from developing, stretch the tendon, and see if it calms down. Now, all doctors agree that Achilles tendonitis and tendinosis are different, and that's true regardless of which belief they have about the process of developing tendinosis that we talked about earlier. So it stands to reason that they should be treated differently, right? If you have Achilles tendinosis and tendinitis, if they're different conditions, they should be treated differently. However, many doctors will recommend patients with Achilles tendinosis attempt the conservative treatments that most often work for Achilles tendinitis. Although you may be scratching your head and wondering why, the truth is many patients with Achilles tendinosis will improve if they do all the simple treatments that usually work for Achilles tendinitis. If you have too much stress on the Achilles tendon and it's producing inflammation, then those treatments often can work. In that case, you could simply review part one of this series on Achilles tendinitis home treatments and try it. If you improve, obviously you're on the right track. Well, the only thing you'd have to do in addition to those simple treatments is add eccentric stretches to the regimen. Eccentric stretches are the most commonly prescribed home treatment for Achilles tendinosis. All right, now I know we're pretty far into the discussion here about Achilles tendon problems, but I want to make sure that you know you have one simple thing you can do that's going to help you. So what I did is I made a specific video that you can download for free. I go to DocOnTheRun.com to the podcast show notes page for this episode, and you can download the free video that I created to show you the single most effective stretch runners can do when they have this problem. The idea with eccentric stretches is that you gently lower your heel down to apply body weight tension to the Achilles tendon. The theory is that by deliberately stretching the Achilles tendon under body weight, it'll help realign the collagen fibers and remodel the Achilles tendon to restore it to a more normal state. So let's talk about how to do the eccentric stretches for Achilles tendinosis. For simplicity and clarity, the following instructions that I'm gonna give you explain how to do the eccentric stretches for Achilles tendinosis affecting the right Achilles tendon. This assumes that you have no problems at all with the left Achilles tendon. To do the Achilles tendon stretches, you'll need a stairwell with handrails. You also need to wear reasonably stable, supportive running shoes. Do not do the stretches while barefoot or while wearing minimalist running shoes. Step one, find a stairwell in your home that has handrails on both the right and left sides of the stairs. You need to be able to hold on for balance. Step two, Hold on to the handrails for the balance. Now you should be facing up the staircase standing on the top step. Your back should be toward the descending flight of stairs and place both feet side by side on the edge of the same step. Stand with the balls of the foot on the edge of the step. Now your heels basically should be hanging off the step at this point. The next thing you're gonna do is you're gonna use your upper body strength and your left foot to lift your weight so you're standing up on your toes. So you have both feet on the ground but you're primarily pushing with your left when you stand up on both feet. Now while you're standing up on your toes on both feet, pick up your left foot so that all your weight is now on your right foot. Keep holding onto the handrails for balance. Now you're holding onto the handrails, you have your left foot in the air, and you're gonna slowly lower your right heel. Keep lowering your right heel until it's all the way down below the edge of the step. You wanna lower your body weight gradually. It should take about 10 seconds to lower your heel completely. Once you lower all the way down so that your heel is below the edge of the step, Hold the stretch and count to five. I know this part is important. You're about to stand back up, but you don't want to use your damaged Achilles tendon on your right foot to get you back up. So place your left foot back on the edge of the step next to your right foot. Using your body strength and your left foot, lift your weight so you're standing back up on your toes. You do not want to use your damaged Achilles tendon to lift your body weight back up from the lowered heel stretched out position. Make sure you use your left foot and your upper body strength to get you back up onto your toes again. Now that's basically the eccentric stretch. You want to repeat the eccentric stretch until you've completed 10 cycles and do the stretch session three times a day. The eccentric stretching routine combined with icing, elevation, using a heel lift to decrease stress to the tendon when you're walking around during the day, they can all be very effective in reducing the pain associated with Achilles tendinosis. Because most doctors will recommend trying this sort of home treatment anyway, it seems reasonable that runners with Achilles tendinosis should just try this on their own. Now if you don't improve or you have not improved with the standard conservative treatments, you may need more advanced therapies to stimulate healing of the damaged tendon. So let's talk about these advanced therapies so you can understand them if a doctor offers them to you. One of the oldest advanced therapies is extracorporeal shockwave therapy, sometimes called ESWT for short, or just shockwave therapy. This treatment utilizes high-energy ultrasound shockwaves to traumatize the tissue and convert the chronic wound state that isn't healing to an acute wound environment that can actually heal. There are two different forms of extracorporeal shockwave therapy. Low-energy extracorporeal shockwave therapy is one that requires no anesthesia because it's not painful. It typically also requires many multiple treatments performed in the doctor's office, so you have to go back a bunch of times to get them. High-energy extracorporeal shockwave therapy requires anesthesia because it uses more energy and it hurts. I, know I personally only perform high-energy extracorporeal shockwave therapy. I inject local anesthesia to make that area numb. Yet, in spite of this, some patients still have pain during the procedure. Now, it takes about half an hour to deliver 3,200 shockwave impulses to the damaged Achilles tendon area. Basically, what happens is high-energy extracorporeal shockwave therapy creates microscopic holes through the Achilles tendon and its attachment to the heel bone. Most patients usually have bruising and swelling after the procedure, and all this trauma stimulates healing. But if all goes well, all that trauma converts the damaged, degenerated Achilles tendon, which has been stuck in a state of chronic inflammation and a state of non healing, into a state where the tendon can actually heal. Now, if you ask all your running buddies who have had Achilles tendonitis about different treatments, you're almost certain to find somebody who's had shockwave therapy. For reasons I won't get into, most insurance companies will no longer pay for extracorporeal shockwave therapy, but some doctors still offer it. The main inconvenience of this procedure is that it has to be performed in a doctor's office. It's also expensive, usually ranging in price somewhere from about $1,100 to about $2,500. The next advanced therapy is platelet-rich plasma or a PRP injection. Sometimes you might hear called an autologous platelet concentrate or APC therapy. That's what the old name was. But basically, it's a therapeutic injection that uses your body's own natural healing cells contained within the platelets to repair the tendon. The way it works is that a small sample of blood is drawn from your arm, and the healing factors found in the platelets are concentrated in a centrifuge. So we basically draw the blood out of your arm, spin it down in a centrifuge, and separate the platelet-poor plasma that we're not going to use, the red blood cells that we're also not going to use, and then this other layer of the concentrate, which is called the platelet-rich plasma. So we draw off the platelet-rich plasma, and we use that to heal your tendon. Now the platelets contain all the growth factors needed to unlock the healing process. And by injecting the concentrated growth factor solution right into the damaged Achilles tendon, a powerful healing response can be stimulated. Now this can actually be done in your home or office. There's no doctor's office, hospital, or surgery even required. So I do house calls so I actually bring all this equipment to people's homes and do it at home. That way they don't have to get in their car and drive back to their house. Most of the time, if you have this procedure though, it'll be in a doctor's office. Now, I personally have had very good results with PRP injections for runners with Achilles tendinosis. Before I continue, I'm obligated to tell you that my results are not typical. The results which I'm going to discuss with you here are not typical for most doctors. The fact that I have had very good outcomes with most of the runners I've treated with PRP injection is not an indication that you will do well if you have the same PRP therapy. I should also tell you that I am openly criticized frequently at medical conferences when I lecture and discuss my treatment results and outcomes. Many doctors accuse me of cherry-picking patients. I cannot offer a guarantee that you will do as well as most of my patients. In fact, in the state of Texas, it is illegal for physicians to offer a guarantee of improvement to a patient. As of the date of this writing, I have had... Only one patient with Achilles tendinosis who reported anything less than 100% full activity defined as resuming full Ironman or marathon training or getting back to their desired running level of activity. The truth is, I do cherry-pick patients. I have a unique practice. I only see runners and triathletes. I only see patients who are healthy, active, and physiologically primed to heal. If there is any reason why I believe I have phenomenal outcomes, it's not because of me. It is because I treat very healthy patients. Because most of my patients are runners or triathletes, they are used to being coached, and they are used to following a plan and working toward a desired outcome. And We work together to come up with a plan that works best for each individual. The patients I see heal because they are the right ones to treat with those procedures. They are healthy runners and they follow directions. They don't heal because my equipment or technique is necessarily better than any other physician anywhere in the country. Another sort of advanced treatment is called dry needling. I don't even classify this as a completely separate one because it basically attempts to use the same principles as a PRP injection. The only difference is we don't inject any PRP. We basically just take a little needle and poke a bunch of holes in the Achilles tendon. If you think about the way extracorporeal shockwave therapy makes numerous holes through the tendon and traumatizes the tendon, you might understand how dry needling could bring about a similar healing response. In theory, I understand how this works, but in practice, I don't generally do it because I think it's worth adding all those growth factors and cofactors for healing contained within the platelets as long as you're going to poke a needle through the tendon. The next thing to talk about is stem cell injections. Stem cell injections are another newer type of therapeutic injection. But you have to understand something about this. Some websites, articles, and even television programs have painted a picture of stem cells implying that when we inject the stem cells, they transform into every different type of cell in the body and then transform into that particular type of tissue. This may be true in the developing fetus, but it's not really true in adults. It's more accurate to say that stem cells have a powerful healing effect by directing the healing process. Stem cells migrate to the site of an injury and express growth factors at that site of injury which direct healing. Based just on that idea, it seems stem cells could be extremely helpful in getting a diseased tendon to begin to heal. The type of stem cell injection I typically do for Achilles tendinosis, for small partial tears in the tendon, comes from amniotic fluid which can contain many multiples of the amount of stem cells available if we harvest them directly from the adult patient. The disadvantage of amniotic stem cell injections is that the stem cells come from a donor and they're slightly more expensive. They have to be ordered the day before your procedure, shipped on ice, and then promptly injected into the tendon. So they're a little bit more expensive. Another disadvantage of stem cell injections is that they're a little bit more experimental because they're just newer than PRP injections. But there are a couple of advantages to stem cell injections. In theory, they actually have more powerful healing potential than a PRP injection. In addition, Since they come from a donor source, we don't have to draw blood out of your arm, which is also a bonus. If you're considering PRP injections or stem cell injections, you have to understand they both work in very similar ways. There are slight advantages and disadvantages to each. But it's important to discuss the options with your doctor so you can decide which of these injections will be best in your case with the amount of tendon damage you have. Just make sure you explain your running goals and your timeline so you and your doctor can determine if a stem cell injection or PRP injection might actually be best for you in your particular case. The last thing to talk about is Achilles tendon surgery. Now, surgery is the best treatment, only when no other treatment will work. I tell patients they get two guarantees with surgery. One, I can guarantee you'll get a scar. Number two, I can guarantee you'll get a bill, but that's it. Surgery is by far the riskiest treatment. If I cut you open, you will never be the same. I will change your anatomy with my scalpel. Because your anatomy changes, the rules change as well. After surgery, some of the treatments which might have worked for you might not work at all. But if you've tried everything else and everything else has failed, then surgery might become an option. Now there are a couple of reasons why Achilles tendon surgery may actually get you back to running, but it might help if you understand what we actually do in surgery. The first thing is that we tell you we are repairing the Achilles tendon. And when we say repairing it, we don't take out broken pieces and put in new healthy pieces. We just cut out everything that's disease damage or looks abnormal. Normal Achilles tendon fibers are made of collagen and they actually look like very thin blonde hairs. If we pick at the collagen fibers with a scalpel or a dental pick or some sort of sharp instrument in surgery, we can peel out these tiny little fibers that look like very fine blonde hair. But when you have Achilles tendinosis and we pick at it with an instrument, it looks like string cheese. So in surgery, basically we cut out all the string cheese and then sew the tendon back up. We usually use strong, non-absorbable suture. Although thick, permanent suture can increase the strength of the tendon, it also makes the surgically repaired Achilles tendon less stretchable because that suture doesn't stretch. Less stretch, less pliability, means that the Achilles tendon can less dynamically absorb force. And just like landing as a heel striker versus landing as a midfoot striker, absorbing forces over a shorter distance increases the peak force or jarring force to the tendon. That increase in peak force may contribute to your risk of other injuries later. the other thing that happens in surgery is we have to get to the tendon itself. So we have to cut through the peritinon, that covering around the Achilles tendon. One time when I was lecturing on running injuries, I had an interesting discussion with a brilliant surgeon who is actually the previous president of the American College of Foot and Ankle Surgeons. And we were talking about why it is that some runners can actually get back to running after they have Achilles tendon surgery. Is it really the damage in the tendon? Is it because we remove the damaged area? Is it because we repair and strengthen the tendon? Or is it something else? And what that surgeon said to me was very interesting. That doctor actually explained that when we open the paratendon in surgery and we run our finger up and down the back of the tendon, the size of the tendon, to separate the Achilles tendon from the paratendon that covers the tendon, we rip away all those teeny little nerve fibers between those two layers. These are the same nerve fibers I believe cause pain in the initial phases of Achilles tendon injury known as peritendinitis. Because when you get peritendinitis, the fluid stretches the peritoneon or covering of the Achilles tendon away from the Achilles tendon. That tension on those little nerve fibers in between those two layers is what I think causes the initial weird sensations, squeezing sensations, and early forms of mild aching pain around the Achilles tendon. So we both agree that surgery can denervate the Achilles tendon. It removes the nerve fibers. It may just be that when you have surgery on the Achilles tendon, we remove the nerve fibers that tell your brain you're having a problem because you're no longer getting pain. Even if there is some damage to the tendon, you don't develop inflammation in response to that pain. Now, it would be interesting if we could do a clinical trial or study where patients or runners with Achilles tendinosis were randomized to two different groups. One group of runners with tendinosis would get surgery, where we just strip away the nerve fibers of the Achilles tendon and the peritoneum covering the tendon. The other group with tendinosis would get the actual Achilles tendon repair. Now, it would be interesting to see if there would be any difference between the two groups of runners after surgery. Although it may seem interesting from an academic standpoint, you are never going to enroll in a study like that. The bottom line is that you need the least invasive, most effective treatment that will work in your case. You need to figure out whatever it is that will get you back on the road to healing and back to running as quickly as possible. If you have Achilles tendinosis or any sort of problem with the Achilles tendon for months, let's face it, your season is already wrecked. Ask yourself these questions. What do I have to lose by trying some simple treatments first? Would it really matter if I spent a few weeks trying all the treatments that might help milder forms of Achilles tendon problems? Can I spend a week or two trying the treatments we talked about in part one of this series? If you try those things, you might get a little bit of improvement. If the tendon calms down, then you could add the eccentric stretches and see if you really start to improve. If you do, then you know you're on the right track. But if you do the simple treatments and you're not improving, you have to think about advanced therapies. You might need to consider a PRP injection. You might need to consider a stem cell injection. But hopefully, you will never need to consider surgery. If your doctor offers surgery as one of the first options, be wary. Get a second opinion. Remember, the rules change after you have surgery. Make sure your doctor routinely works with runners. Make sure your doctor knows you plan to continue to run after your Achilles tendon heals. You and your doctor need to be on the same team. If you, your doctor, your coach, if everyone is aligned with the goal of getting you back to running as quickly as possible, there's always a solution. You just have to find the right solution for you. Okay, so hopefully you've learned a lot in this episode, but above all else, you need to go to DocOnTheRun.com to the podcast show notes page for this episode so that you can download the free video I created for you that's going to show you exactly how to do the single most effective stretch that we talked about today. So do that stretch and get better so you can get back to running as quickly as possible.